Welcome to the Fruiting Bodies podcast, an intersectional response to the mushroom boom and the next wave of psychedelics. We're your hosts, Becca and Elon, co-founders of Fruiting Bodies, a Portland, Oregon-based community platform dedicated to highlighting diverse perspectives. We are here to learn together, have tough conversations, and celebrate the leaders and creatives who are helping shape a better world. This show is for earth lovers, activists, and the mushroom curious. Come for the advocacy, stay for the contagious laughter. We're glad you're here. Let's get mycelial. And if you don't recognize that word, we got you. Come learn with us. Hi, Elon. Hi, Becca. We made it. I know. We made it this far. What are we doing? <laughs> we are... <laughs> Recording a podcast. Okay. Episode one. Episode one, Fruiting Bodies podcast here. Even how we got here right now feels a little bit magical. It really does. We are in this beautiful studio that was serendipitously connected to us through a mutual friend. Yeah. It's totally a space I would want to hang out. There's awesome here. Beautiful art and textiles. And we were given ceremonial grade cacao on our way in. So I think we're, I think we're good. To I think like, we're in the right place. Yeah, I think we're gonna like this podcast. We like, right, we're ready. It's we're happening. Ready. We're like all hydrated and cacaoed and ready to get <laughs> into things. Everything's aligned. Yeah. So today we are going to interview our amazing co-founder Elon Hagens, and so I have the honor of interviewing you today. Yeah. And then on episode two, we're going to switch roles, and you get to interview me. Yeah. So. How do you feel about being in the hot seat? I, I'm liking it. I mean, I think it's so important that our viewers like get to know us and why we're here and our calling and learn our testimonies if you want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think just us having just doing the few first two episodes is going to like build a relationship with all of you guys that um, we want, you know, we want a connection. And I've been in the mushroom business for a while. So I know all about the importance of connecting with your community and growing your community and just being mostly being open to growing your community. So um, that's one thing that I think is so important for Beck and I. And so that's why we are going to get with with this one and I'm going to tell you all about myself yeah so I get to interview you and I I will say for those who don't know anything about us which maybe this is the first contact they're making with us uh you and I are friends we've been friends for five or six years yeah we live in Portland Oregon area and we'll get into the backstory of how we met and everything that's led up till now but even in interviewing you I learned things about you that I didn't know. Yeah. So that's one of the most exciting things is we get to like get to know each other better. And then it makes sense and puts into perspective how we got here and the work that we're doing now. Yeah, totally. And just like leading up to this, we're like, it's been interesting. Our conversations. Yeah. How are you saying? We learn about each other and we get to like unearth some things from the past, maybe Mm -hmm. during our conversations of growing. We're like, whoa, oh my gosh. After our conversation, like I went home and, you know, this came up and then it's been just, it's been so good, especially during this time to have, you know, you because you're in my pod. And so Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's nice to have you to like go off, you know, and banter back and forth and just grow with this year. Cool. So we're going to start by going back to the beginning. So the, the first question I have is just, um, can you give a little backstory, like put into context, who is Elon Haggins? How, how did you start out? What's, what's your backstory? It's my backstory. So I would say 
My backstory comes from me being a little girl loving nature, loving animals, being born to a single parent household. All those things together definitely is a base of who I am right now. So I was born in Portland, Oregon in the 80s. And um, like I said, I was born to a single parent household. My mom was born in the 40s in Louisiana on a sharecropper's farm. So Um, One of the biggest things for me growing up that was different than a lot of kids is that, number one, I had an older mother, and that being from Portland, Oregon, I had an older mother from the South, so um, we were kind of old school, old fashioned, and then um, I had a mother who was very religious, so church was everything for us, and definitely church was in my house all day, every day, at night, two, three o'clock in the morning, but the biggest thing about me being... Um, in a single parent household is that I got to watch TV. I got to learn about things like National Geographic and look at animals. And like, I was able to take that time alone and dream. And I think the biggest thing about um, being in that situation is when you are dreaming, your dreams are just infinite. They're so big. When you see a video of uh, people in Africa on TV, you're like, oh my gosh, like it's a, it's out of this world. You would never think that, oh my gosh, one day I actually have the, you know, ability to go to that kind of place. So those kind of things, um, and my eyes being really big, just like drove me to like loving nature. So, um, when I was a little girl about, I'd say about fourth grade, um, we had outdoor school. And when I was about that age, I don't think, I don't remember if the company Nike had like was big on hiking boots. Well, who knows? They could have been. But I specifically remember seeing a pair of hiking boots and um, seeing the price of them and really wanting them. And the reason why I really wanted them was because I remember seeing people in like hiking boots and like seeing them like look happy and like, like they could just take on the world. Like they were just out there to get all the adventures and like go see the animals in the woods. And like, I was like, Oh my gosh, look at those people. And you know, most of those people were white people that were, um, that I saw every day because my bus stop was in front of the mountain shop on Broadway in Portland. So when my, I was sitting there in the rain and cold watching people go in and out of this mountain outdoor shop with skis and going on their adventures and everything, that's something I really wanted to do. I knew, I don't, I don't know, I didn't know what they were doing, but I knew whatever they were doing, they're doing it to have fun and like, I wanted to be part of it. So, you know, so I do those things. So, um, and about that, around that age, um, was also the time that I had a lot of mentors come in my life who really liked, who, who weren't just, I would say not just a regular type of mentor who was like, I'm going to go and volunteer and go to the boys and girls club and, uh, you know, be your big brother, big sister. These were mentors who, um, came to me and my family organically. So, these mentors were a lot of times my teachers at the elementary schools. Maybe there was a science camp that they, you know, had seen that there was a scholarship for. And so they made sure that somehow that I don't remember, but somehow I made it to a lot of these different camps were science camps and outdoor camps. These things that I wouldn't normally have access to because it was just me and my mother and we didn't have a car. And so every environment, every experience that I had in nature was given to me by somebody 
who was was a mentor or a friend or something like that. Not really family members because we didn't I didn't really have a family members who were going out and like nature and stuff like that. But um so I got a lot of these experiences out in nature from mentors, not because my family was just camping on the weekend. Even though born and raised in Pacific Northwest, all this is around us. It just it just wasn't I didn't have the access to it. So right. um that's actually one of the questions I had for you is like what and I think you've touched on it, but like, what were the barriers? Cause there was these things that were in you that were wanting to be expressed. And then like, what were the practical or even whether they were external or internal barriers to like getting where you wanted to go or becoming who you wanted to become? Yeah. Yeah. Those barriers. Yeah. The barriers were, yeah. Like I said, like, uh, just getting in a car, just literal transportation. <laughs> transportation. Yeah. That like gear is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to go on a hike if you're just a, a normal child in Portland who's <laughs> you don't have what you need. No, you're like gonna go in Converse All Stars and like right. some like Jersey shorts or something <laughs> like that. Like like you just don't know. And I think about that too. Like when there's people like who um, like maybe I've always said it's like you know you can kind of tell a person by their shoes if you if you're like taking them on a hike like if they come in like jordans or if they come in like converse and mm. or if they come in hiking boots you kind of can figure out a person and like how to structure the hike for them too mm-hmm. i know it's like judgmental but that's one of the things is like yeah gear and being able to be comfortable in nature um is a big thing and we know outdoor gear is not not cheap um no. if you don't know to go to that there are outdoor gear stores that have used clothing because you know we just see all this stuff in the store that you know the big brands and right, stuff so right. and those are and those are and they are good products because and that's what helped us get further but yeah that access um that barrier was a big one but my mom saved and she knew that those tools are something that I really needed and so she took the, that time to, you know, save for months for me to get those boots. Mm. So I could have that access because she knew it was so important to me and that was going to help me grow, even though she didn't buy a car to take me to, you know, all these camps, but she could, she did what she had to do. So did you yeah. get the Nike boots? I got them. They're like some Nike ACG. They were lavender suede gray boots. <laughs> oh man. I was like, I thought I could take over the world when I had those. You I had your adventure up. boots. Oh, my adventure boots. I was like, like waiting to be a children's book. Oh yeah. <laughs> mm, they're awesome. You can just take off on their own. So um, I think you, I don't know if you've mentioned where you went to school yet, but I'd love to hear you talk about um, how that kind of shaped you when you got into like middle school. Yeah, when I got into middle school, um, so I, some of my mentors, my teachers and science teachers and stuff started a, an environmental middle school. And that was a school that was a community school that um, by being saying community school, it wasn't just a school where, you know, you just automatically, because it was in your district, you just went to. It was a school where, you know, you applied for and there wasn't any zoning. So maybe was it like a charter school. It was. Yeah, it was like a charter school. Back then it was. It's now no longer a charter school. It's a neighborhood school, which is sad because it totally changes everything because of the neighborhood it's in and gentrification. So it's not a a community school as far as like diversity. Um, but back then it was a diverse school. It was a small intimate school where you're having sixth through eighth graders together where two days out of the week, you're actually in the field doing field studies. Maybe I'm pulling Ivy one day. Maybe we're serving the homeless people downtown Portland at the Blanche house being 11 year old, little tiny little thing there and dealing with like the the homeless Mm -hmm. that are in the streets, 
right now, these same people that need so much help. I was out there. The school had us out there literally hands-on mm. with our community. Wow. So that was one of the big things with the school. And then we had um, community meals. And the community meals that we had were definitely a cultural-based thing. So one one month, my mom and some other families, we did, like, cornbreads and beans. And then we had um, our school at the time was part uh, of Paranaya, Native American Youth Association. And so we had so much, so much to do with indigenous population and we had powwows and fry bed and oh my gosh. And that was like mind, mind opening for me because, um, it was great to be around. I was telling Becca, like when I was a little girl, I remember going home and telling my mom, oh my gosh, we have princesses in our class, like <laughs> real princesses because we had native American princesses who had jingle dresses and names that I didn't know, like flying big backs and all these wonderful names that mm-hmm. I did I was like what and it was like blew me away and I loved it and of course all of us being kids intermingled and that was amazing to have and I'm I was I'm forever grateful that my mentors said hey Elon needs this experience because they're still the people who support me today these a lot of these women's are women are and some and the men everybody um but especially the older women who started the school and took on these kids we see them to this very day uh, tied to the railroad tracks fighting for climate change. So mm-hmm. that's the, those are kind of women who helped me out. And so I, I like appreciate that and I love them. And oh my gosh, they are everything they to me. They led the way for you. Oh yes, they led the way. Um, now one thing I know about you mm-hmm. is you love dogs. I like and I didn't know the roots of that or really how far back that went until we talked the other day. Yeah. That was your dream. That was my dream. To work with animals, was right? To work with animals. I just loved animals, like, so much. And that's... And my love for animals is what kind of just always drove me to, like, wanting to be outsider, the nature component. It was, it was like, oh, if I'm going to be outside, I'm going to see an animal. It was like, you know... Or if I'm going to walk a dog, I'm going to be in nature. It was like a... It was a win-win situation. You get, one, you get both. Yeah, totally. So it was like, okay. So in the situation that I was in... As a child, we couldn't have like a dog or any of the things. It was unaffordable. And so I always, I remember just dreaming that I like wanted this a Yorkshire Terrier. It was like with a ponytail and all that. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be everything. Um, I was interacting with animals and stuff through like my little volunteers through vets and the Humane Society and my neighbor's dogs and anybody who had dogs and there are animals in our house. You know, I was like always obsessed with them and like, you know, turn turn my actual friends to the side to hang out with their animals kind of thing you know but uh, you were that friend i was that friend Elon's with the animals yeah Elon's in the kitchen with the animals yeah it's the same as an adult too yeah you know everybody's (laughs) drinking and i'm with the you know the dogs in the kitchen by the snacks um but but yeah with my love for dogs that helped me get outside um I got a dog when I was 20 years old. And so this I did get my Yorkshire Terrier. And she's still alive, that little thing. She is still kicking it. Mm-hmm. But that was one of the things that definitely got me back out into nature was my love for dogs. And um, after when I was in my 20s, I ended up getting another dog, which was a, a giant schnauzer. And when I got that dog something in me changed and it wasn't just because like, Oh, I was just had like, now I had a toy dog before and now I have a big dog before a big dog now, but something the what 
dogs can give you different things, different breeds of dogs. My little one is a good cuddler, and she was like a great experience for having, you know, a first dog. My second one, oh my gosh, this is a whole different thing. This beast needed to be like exercised. She needed to be worked. She needed to be out mushroom hunting in the mountains. Like she thrives outside, like not in, in the house. Like that was mm-hmm. like she was in the house and a good dog for that. But she demanded me to be outside. So mm-hmm. um, because of that, my mind started like expanding a lot more. And so um, when one year I was in Seattle and this chef came to me who for this restaurant was like, oh, would you like a drink? And I was like, sure. What, what do you recommend? And he was like, oh, you have to have this uh this it was a cocktail. It was like a on a white chocolate macadamia nut with white truffle honey. And I was like, oh, <laughs> what's what's a truffle? And then he's like, oh, it's like uh, it's really expensive. It's like this jar is like a hundred dollars. And I was like, oh my gosh. And he's like, yeah. And they use dogs to sniff it out. And I was like, dogs? What? Huh? I know everything about dogs. How do I not know this <laughs> and kind you were of thing? Listening. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh yeah. And I'm listening. I'm like, and I'm thinking, how do I not know about this? I mean, I, I know everything about dogs, uh, but, <laughs> but apparently I didn't. <laughs> and, um, reason why I didn't because of why would I, why with my background, I, why would I ever know about expensive, fancy mushrooms or truffles? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I just wouldn't. So um, after that experience, I went home and I inst- instantly typed in dog truffle training, everything you could possibly imagine for like dogs and training and all that kind of stuff. And so at that point, what were I, you finding online? Online, I was finding like old like Italian and French like literature because that's where the like the folklore and history of truffle hunting is from um specifically like I like all mushrooms and you know the mushroom culture and the fungi culture in Europe we all know it's a lot different than it is in America they celebrate it they don't have like a fear that we like we have because we have a huge fear in America of um mushrooms we always mm-hmm. have and so and we'll get into that oh my gosh we could get into that for that's so a whole episode. that's a that's my, many episodes that will continue <laughs> to get in about mycophobia and how it's like changed uh changed so many things and that's it's changed so many things on the food spectrum and on the medicine spectrum the the fear mm. of mushrooms but so i went home found these translations and or found these um this literature in your in italian and and french and i like instantly did a, a translate found that i could like make my own fake truffles out of like gargonzola cheese and like white bread and i like took them and i like smooshed them together and like <laughs> was like reading like how to scent acclimate and train dogs mm-hmm. and so i was like totally into that i joined like a truffle group for a while with people who were like out there actually raking and digging truffles and then some of them had dogs that they're like like me like just puttering around um the big part of um finding truffles is that there's a the learning curve is not with the dog training it's with actually learning where truffles live where they what they like what's the season mm-hmm. their environment the types of trees like that is so knowing like the local yeah, ecology the local ecology and so it's like a lot of people can move here. Say, there's a lot of people who've moved here just for truffle hunting because they have a, they have truffle dogs, and they come to me over there. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have truffle dogs. Where do I go to find truffles? I was like, huh, you know, that's great. Your dog knows how to somehow find truffles, but you know, I'd say 75 percent of the job is like finding the land and part mm-hmm. of the learning because animals want to work. Animals they want to work. So, mm-hmm. um, 
started training my dogs. That was fun. Um, by saying dogs, I started training my giant schnauzer and she, um, was doing great. Um, I met one other lady who lived near me who was also getting into truffle training and I took her for a session there, um, or with, with that lady at the time. And then, um, I also started training my Yorkie by just like a fluke. Like one day I was like training my late dog Kenji and, uh, at the time, like my Yorkie was like acting like a nut, like digging to get out of her kennel. Cause I had to put her away because she kept getting in the way when we were doing like our indoor training. And so I'm like, wait, let, let me just try this out. And so like I did some of the little trainings that I was doing, um, with my other dogs just to get them sent acclimated. And my gosh, that dog picked up truffle hunting in like two seconds. And really? I'm like, Oh my gosh, all these years, <laughs> this little Yorkie who's like eight years old at the time or whatever. Now she's 16. She kind of calling oh my gosh that's what they're for they're born they're ratters they're born to be like little dogs sniffing in holes and mm. getting out little like varmint and stuff like that the big <laughs> dogs are great because they can work uh, I, I mean i can get into breeds about dogs and stuff but these are the terriers can work lots and work hard and they have a high drive mm -hmm. and my giant schnauzer is a working dog it's in a working class so um she can go um till oh yeah she's dead pretty much that's the dog will fall over before, <laughs> she'll before let she you stops. know when she's done yeah she'll fall over when she's done uh yeah um so that's basically like how i kind of really that was like my gateway into like wanting to learn more about just mycology fungi and at the time also I was working at I started working at a was this before no here's a big part of my story that I forgot so during this training process and just being with dogs and loving dogs and um I started learning how to groom dogs as well and that was like really fun because I had these two dogs who needed to be cut. So that was really fun. So I was getting more into the dog industry, the pet industry. At the same time, I was getting into like, I was into the outdoors. I was into all these other activities that I'm constantly into knitting, belly dancing, you name it. I was doing all of it at that time. But at that time, the dog training and the spending time with dogs was a huge huge part that like I said when, when I was a child that's what I loved to do so that's what naturally I gravitated to mm -hmm. so I um one night was watching television television show and I saw that there is this reality show and this is like the first ever time like reality shows are brand new like Survivor was like it you remember that when that's Survivor right. yeah. was like oh. oh I remember family night we'd all be Huddle up in the living room watching Survivor. What was it Thursday night? Oh yeah, and uh -huh. then it changed. Then it was like multiple nights out of the week. You're like e like three, four. Yeah, nights. Everyone was watching. Survivor. Yeah, so, I, so reality TV was big, and there was like a writer strike back then too. So reality TV was like just making its in, like its surge. So when I saw there was like this reality thing, a, a interview they were doing interviews for a reality show called Greatest American Dog, and I was like, oh cool, I have like a dog who's like a year and a half, like and wild and but it was my giant schnauzer at the time Kenji um she was young and so I was like let me just send a quick little you know look online find out the casting director's email it's not that hard people if you guys want to learn about getting on like production and reality shows like it's just it just takes a little bit of searching and then finding a casting director and um just like I did and the very next morning there was a, an email waiting after I sent like a two sentence email about hi I have dogs and I like them kind of thing <laughs> there's um a lady from 
um, LA saying, hey, we, you know, um, we liked hearing about you and what you do with your dogs and the, your relationship and bond with them. Can you fly to LA in two days from now? And I was like, oh, whoa. And I was like, what? This is happening. <laughs> this how, is, how old were you? Uh, 23, 22, 22 or 23 around there. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, oh, okay. This is, and it was like literally like an email, like me watching uh, while eating Cheetos, like some like stupid you're show. Like midway to your, <laughs> to your mouth, you're holding the Cheeto and just like, wait. Yeah. My life's changing. Yeah, I'm going to like go through. I was like, mm, let me go like do this. This is happening. So went, got my dog, got her like testing and stuff. You had to fly. And then I was in LA like with all these people who are like professional, like real good dog people. Like I'm saying dogs who are on commercials, on the Tonight Show. These are acting <laughs> dogs. These dogs are these like. Are proper dogs. <laughs> these are movie dogs, most of them. They're amazing. They're amazing. Dog, I, I could go. Man, that's a whole nother episode for, you know, I don't even know when. It'll be a spinoff. It'll be a spinoff because there's so many funny things about that and damage <laughs> that we'll be, you know, oh uh, healing for the rest of my life off some of that stuff. Um, <laughs> but that was, um, but either way, I ended up making it to the reality TV show. And that show aired, happened to air right before Survivor, same network. It was a big network on CBS. And so that kind of like confirmed like, hey, I'm kind of good at this dog stuff and this like, like getting out there in nature. And so that set a little something in me and so when I was done with all that and coming back to Oregon off of that and learning that I didn't really really want to be in the pet industry what I really needed to be was in was nature and so that was my catalyst for me starting my business temptress truffles and making sure that I provide um, wild mushrooms and just wild edibles to the public at a reasonable price. Mm-hmm. Um, people kept requesting like truffles from me and stuff after they found out that I was training dogs and training. They want me to train their dogs and take them out on expeditions and all that. Um, but the gist of it is I really was in for this for like, you know, social justice and making sure that we have food and food justice is part of food justice is making sure that we have these fancy mushrooms and these fancy truffles, which is indigenous food here. Mm -hmm. And it's not a fancy food. I wanted to make sure that little girls like me don't have to wait till their twenties to be able to taste that. Mm -hmm. That's a shame. Mm -hmm. Like why should I have to wait? Because you know, it's, it shouldn't be so inaccessible and accessible. It shouldn't be fancy and foo foo and all that kind of stuff, you know? Uh Yeah. And so that was like part of like when I started Timter's truffles, not only because, I wanted to be like a black woman out there with a small business in the outdoor doggy, all this encompassing that comes with me and my business. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I wanted to do, I liked the outdoor aspect of it, but I liked also just to, just to be kind of an example. And so that was almost a decade ago. And I literally cannot believe that I've been out there with the public at farmer's markets, doing mushroom hunts, speaking at Italian American society, speaking at mom's clubs. I mean, you name it. I've like been spreading my love and the love for mushrooms to anybody who wants to hear me shout it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and anybody who wants to get a dog, I'm like, oh, you should do it. Go to the, go adopt one. And cause it'll force you to be out in nature. Honestly, mm-hmm. like if you like mm-hmm. feel like kind of a lazy bun, I'm like, oh, go get a dog. Cause you know, no matter what, you're going to have to get out there and walk and, you know, get some fresh air and those lungs. So, mm-hmm. um, Tim just is definitely just being there out at the farmer's market and meeting people in my community was, you know, is just, um, it still is to this day amazing, but back then was 
amazing for me because I was at a time in my life where I didn't feel like I maybe had as much as connection with people around me. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I was definitely like in the outdoor scene, but sometimes you can do, you can hike alone for days. I mean, for, for, for yeah. your whole life, yeah. hermits and hobbits oh, yeah. are real. <laughs> we are real. And I'm a social hermit hobbit, but my alone time is my alone time and I can get stuck in that. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to be able to, get out there and go to the markets and go to the community and talk about, you know, um, food, talk about dogs, talk about natural dying, talk, talk about, um, now we're talking about psychedelic therapy, which is something that of course, working at the farmer's markets and working with the public, um, working with, uh, just edibles in general, just wild edibles. Of course, every single day, there's mm-hmm. somebody who says, Hey, do you have any other types of mushrooms? Like, you totally. know, every single day. <laughs> I know. I asked you that early on. Yeah, probably. Like, yeah. Hey, you got the hookup? You got, you got the hookup? <laughs> you just gave me a look. <laughs> I was like, if she did, she wouldn't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's like a common like thing with me. And, and, um, just, I've, I've, I am all for all types of plant medicine. I am for people healing in every type of way. Like if one way is not working, let's try another way. And I think it's criminal to hold one type of way, make it illegal. Like it's mm-hmm. awful. Like I'm like, no, if you're saying that's illegal and it's there to heal somebody and you're holding it back. No, 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 no. Something's off. Something's off right there. Why? Yeah, don't, don't, just don't. And so I know we talked about that, you know, for a long time. And, um, and I always told some of my customers that I've had, I have so many customers I've had for such a long time that if, when they ask that question, I just started after a while saying, you know what? After a while, I was like, you know, I don't have any, I don't have any, but the second, the second that I'm able to, you know, show you, you know, guide you to that medicine. I'm going to be there for you. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's where I felt comfortable um, in my industry because there's a whole stigma. We know that we can, we're going to talk about stigmas mm-hmm. in future episodes, but there's also, there's a whole drug stigma and everybody thinking you're, you're going out to do mushrooms and get crazy. Right. And, you know, we'll get into that. But yeah, with, with Temptress Truffles, this was definitely my gateway to my love for psychedelic therapy, for mm-hmm. sure. That was that was my love because everybody around me was like so, so into it. Do we want to talk about 101 with like some things about mushrooms? Like I think so. I think let's there. pause for a minute and then we'll mm-hmm. and then we'll keep it rolling. Yeah. Okay, we are back. Got some giggles out. We got some giggles out. <laughs> <laughs> Needed to get some giggles and wiggles out. Um, so I want to talk about a couple things, but firstly is just mushroom 101. So we might have people who are coming who, like we said in the intro, who are mushroom curious. Mm-hmm. And you are our resident mushroom expert. And so I want to start basic level introduction mushrooms, mushrooms. yeah because mushrooms are every when somebody hears the word mushroom they're like oh my gosh it's ah it's like blows so many different (laughs) ideas that come into people's yeah and even what is what is like and even me i'm like what i sometimes i'm like oh my gosh and when i go out with people who are doctorates and experts they are still learning 
just as much as the person who just started yesterday. And that's the joy of mushrooms. So what are fungus or fungi? Um, fungi, fungus, fungi. You hear potato, potato. You hear a lot of um, different fung. So we'll just, I say I'm a fungi. I like saying fungi. So I'm going to read this definition because it's just like the easy, simple way. Um, fungus, plural fungi, you know, so fungus is one plural fungi um, is of about 144,000 known species of organism. And that's when I, that's known right now. There are so many unknown. Um, oh my gosh. That's yeah. There's so many own, unknown fungi. That's why I'm so excited. This is legal. Cause we can find out more. Um, <laughs> there are so many organizations um, of the kingdom of fungi, which include yeast, rust, smuts, mildews, molds. Many of them are free living in soil or water, but other forms a parasitic kind of a symbiotic relationship with different things like roots of trees. So that's like truffles. Like they have a symbiotic relationship um, with the roots of trees, meaning they need to, they, they, they need each other or the trees get a little something off the truffles and a truffle get a little something off the tree. So that's just like the, the easy way of putting that. Um, and a lot of times people think, oh my gosh, like the mushroom is all that there is to the, to it. Like you, when you see that uh, apple on a tree, it's not just the apple in that encompasses all of it. There's the tree, there's the roots and everything. And so with mushrooms, there's the, you'll hear a lot of, a lot of times you hear the word mycelium. Um, and how I like to describe mycelium, um, which is like, this is not the scientific, whatever we'll get into it, but to like a little child, I would say, you know, what mycelium is like mycelium is, is like a tree. But it's a tree that's like can be like a cobweb and like it's like can spread and sometimes you don't see it. It's underground. Sometimes it is in masses where you can see it. But these long like little little tentacles and cobwebs spread out. And sometimes a lot of times these different little spider webs will fruit different types of mushrooms. So it's like weird because sometimes we're like oh my gosh we need like the plant veggie start to put in the ground we need to see the seed to plant mm -hmm. uh, with mushrooms it's like mystical because mm -hmm. you need all these things the environment you can't plant a mushroom yeah you can't you can plant i mean you can grow some but not like the a lot of the wild mushrooms there's certain things that go on with the environment with nature the ground the soil everything um, and with the mycelium and, and with the fungi. So there's so many different factors. So, um, like I was saying in future episodes, we are going to get into it, but that can be a lot. Um, so, um, what I would like to talk about also with why is it everybody like so excited about mushrooms right now? Right. It feels like in the last three to five years, I mean, I would say the wellness world cannot stop talking about mushrooms yeah. and it's almost like they just appeared or you know, people are <laughs> behaving as if they just appeared. Yeah. You know, I feel like even my awareness was really only in the last five or 10 mushrooms in terms of anything. You know, I think maybe I read an article in like mother earth news way back when Paul Stamos was in there. It was like, he was talking about some of the bees and you know, yeah. fungi and stuff. But really it's been in the last few years. Like it's, why? Yeah. Why? It's like, it's, like everybody's like, oh my gosh, is it the new this, that, and whatever? Yeah. Well, what is exciting? What's exciting? There's so many things exciting because people are learning that this could support your general health. And we all want something that can support our general health that's not um, man made. Mm -hmm. 
So that's one huge thing with like in the wellness health industry, um, we can go into like different types of medicinal mushrooms that support um, bodies such as like turkey tails and you'll see chaga and you'll see um, a lot here about lion's mane supporting the brain function. We'll go over some of those in the future too. But the, mm-hmm. a lot of these things, people never came to me at my market booth in the past and was like, oh, do you have lion's mane? Do you have chaga? Do you have those? In the right. past, people wouldn't ask me for that. But now people are like, oh my gosh, like, oh, my headaches and I need this. And I read this article. And so they're really, into the supportive aspects of of mushrooms and that they know that mycology is an area that there's tons of growth and that there's tons of um research happening and so they want their body we all want our bodies to kind of be part of that research and so we're able to accept it right now and so there's like a mix of the research and then also just this growing awareness yeah i think also probably the internet and just like i think anytime that a popular figure of any kind whether you're a a celebrity or a chef or an Instagram influencer nowadays. It's like if, if you say something's really awesome, you're swaying the culture. Yeah. So now it's like those things have been kind of picked up and it's when something's naturally so awesome and has been kind of this hidden secret, it's I think natural for people to be as stoked as they are now. Oh yeah. They're like, like, Oh my god. Why gosh. didn't I know this? Yeah. You know? They're what totally like, they're like, Oh my gosh. And there's different things like mushrooms. Um, besides, you know, just medicines and stuff like my, um, if we, if we didn't have mushrooms, a lot of time, mush, a lot of mushrooms are decomposers. They're wood eaters. They are, they are rotters. And so a lot of times when I always, always say, man, if we didn't have mushrooms and fungi and different, you know, molds and stuff, we'd be living on like, piles of garbage yeah, because it's dead stuff, it's dead stuff and it, it wouldn't even be rotting because we need those things like <laughs> those decomposings and a fungi and stuff to rot it so i don't know we just be living on just i don't even know i just don't even want to think about <laughs> what that would be like yeah oh my gosh be we've been coexisting with these things forever literally forever, forever. And not even aware. I think mo- many of us have like seen our moldy food in the fridge when we were kids or whatever. It's probably our first exposure to yeah. any sort of like fungi. But it's like we rely on these things in ways that most people and, and even you and I like don't even realize. Yeah, don't even realize like that are supporting our fruits and our vegetables. And um, when oil spills happen, there's remediation where people are putting in. Um, I know a lot of people have read things about putting in oyster mushrooms and having them being able to physically digest the oil and being right. finding that these mushrooms afterwards are clean and you can't find any trace of they're the oil in there. They're like transformers. Yeah, they're like transformers. So where everybody's like, oh my gosh, if it does that to the earth, imagine what it can do if we consume them inside of our bodies. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's just like, you don't have to like be a doctor and be somebody who has gone to school to kind of like see that proof in the pudding kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with that being said psychedelics hello we're gonna talk about that you know as one of the big spaces i mean there's so many spaces to go with the fungi fungi the the popular (laughs) there's so much to do with it and i love that everybody's getting into it um or is into it it is just it just makes me so happy but yeah with psychedelics now it's okay for me to talk about this it's okay Mm -hmm. i mean even though it's like still getting used to it because, you know, being a black female, Christian, raised, there's a lot of stigma and stuff mm-hmm. that I that I am having therapy and working on and will continuously work on for the rest of my life about, about just drugs and me. Mm-hmm. And um, there's certain things like, oh, my gosh, now that people know that I have 
have mushrooms or not say I have mushrooms that I even that I even like like that that I support support mushrooms. mushrooms I'm like oh my gosh what if the cops We'll know that, and maybe they're going to put me on a list of people to maybe randomly put out, pull over because they, for some reason, think that I'm transporting more mm. than our decrim 12 grams. And, uh, you know, like, those are certain things that stick in my mind because I spent so many years trying to get a good reputation. Right. And so sometimes right. I'm like, the fear takes over, but now I'm like, okay, friends and family, you know, here we are. It feels like it's coming out. Oh. Yeah, here you are. Ask me, ask me all the questions. I will, I will let you know. I'm here. I want you to learn. I want to share your experience. I want to share your story. I want to support you in anything that has to do with anything, but especially, mm-hmm. you know, mushrooms. <laughs> well, I just want to take a moment for that and commend you on leaning into that edge because it's not easy. And these, like, the reasons that you have those fears and these the stigma associated with it, like, those are based on real life experience. That's not just like a projection. So you're actually overcoming something in service of your community and in service of the larger good. So like, that's a big deal. That like makes me get choked up. I know. <laughs> because, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just beautiful to see the transformation, you know, and that now because of like the times that you have put in over the last decade, it's, I can only imagine it's really rewarding on one hand, to see this and mm-hmm. then also like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. about time yeah about, like, about time you guys came yep. forward, and also but. maybe a sense of protectiveness of like okay now who is here establishing themselves as experts in this space and like yeah. have they paid their dues are we giving credit where credit's due yeah to people like you to other people who have been holding it down for a long time for in the centuries too and then going further back <laughs> to like who's been holding it down to even make this knowledge of these allies available to us you know yeah and so we'll we'll get in oh get my gosh that, we will get just, into that I'm so thankful that you are willing to be here because the community needs it the yeah community needs you so. yeah thank you yeah it's yeah I'm, I'm i'm so honored that people have been opening up for me just to me and just it's we were talking about we've been talking about this for a while but just me even being like i support psilocybin therapy i had people like coming and sitting down with me and being like, you know what, Elon? Yeah, I support this too and do certain things in my life. And, you know, for maybe I want this to change my kids' lives. Maybe I want, you know, mm-hmm. they, they're just open and they know something different needs to happen. And they've been open with me and in a different way I they would never would have been had they not right. known my openness. Right. And that's, I think, the beauty of vulnerability is when you name something, you create a space where other people can name it. And so it's almost this cascading effect of like, oh, we've all been not talking about this because of some social contract that we don't talk about these things. And now someone's willing to, especially early on, be an early adopter and say, hey, I stand for this and here's why. And then, yeah, I've had the same thing. People come and it's like, oh my God, I don't have anyone who I feel like I can talk to about this because I'm nervous or reputation or whatever. So it's like, more and more, I think we're going to see those conversations. It's going to be less hard to have those conversations over time because a precedent has been set. Like, yeah. Good people heal in many kinds of ways. Definitely. You know? Definitely. So I think that brings me to how we got here. Yeah. Like how we got here. Like Yeah. So, I mean, I know I touched on you and I have been friends for many years, but um, kind of how we met and how we decided to have this podcast at this time. You know? Yeah. Here's this one. At this time. 
Well, you know, well, we've been talking about, you know, obviously mushrooms and, and the ag space and everything. So when we were doing our walks and like years ago saying, oh, my gosh, one day, like this could be like legal one day. Like, wouldn't that be so cool? And it was like so <laughs> it just like, seemed like such a far <laughs> off pipe dream. We're like, yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Imagine like, oh, my gosh, like we could actually like facilitate like things and like people and just like all these ideas we had. And we're like, oh, that, but it was just like just well, that'd be cool kind of thing. And mm-hmm. and for me, especially because I was like already in edibles in the edible scene. And so the the whole like speculation and dreaming it like in the past and about and even talking about just mushrooms on just like the healthy like so not psilocybin's but just talking about like you know the supporting mushrooms like turkey tails and chagas and our conversations about you know the industry um, changing mm-hmm. with the a lot of the coffee drinks and stuff coming out we've had so many conversations about people. Um, being accepting how that's kind of been a gateway for us it's kind of like helped us like totally. like people are like oh i'm like oh you like this brand of coffee well then you probably are going to be the same kind of person who's probably going to be interested in psilocybin therapy because you want to know more <laughs> you want more right, right you know so that was nice when we had um those conversations um and with my relationship with psilocybin um i i Definitely still have, like I said, I, I still have my, my, no, my biggest hesitations or no, my, I would say if there are fears, um, is that I just want to make sure that when we share people's stories, when we educate people that we are educating a broad, a broad range of people. Mm. And I think that was like one of our biggest things that when we were talking about this and talking about, um, the therapy is that like, hey, this isn't just for our festival goers or the people who have already in society had the privilege and opportunity to go to Mexico, to go to Bali and have right. these experiences like that was like a big when we were talking about it from the beginning. It's mm-hmm. like we wish we like, oh, wouldn't that be nice? But, you know, we had ten thousand dollars to go and do all these experiences that everybody keep coming and saying, oh, it's so wonderful. And mm-hmm. I got, you know, to to heal myself. And but we we financially couldn't do it. And because of law, we couldn't do it here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now that we are like there and that I like helped like gather signatures and you were, you know, yeah, you yeah. were all about that, man, <laughs> you guys, Becca, man, she is a leader when it comes to like orchestrating people around her and like being like, Oh, I know you're for that message. So come and help because you I'll know, rope anybody in. Oh yeah. She'll get it done. So <laughs> I was, that was really nice for me to like have that. And like, even though I was still like, even last year we had a, I was at a private uh, mushroom camp with a lot of um, mushroom, Instagram mushroom influencers and um, made sure that I brought like my signature, my, like my paper there. Mm -hmm. And I like had to like at one point, like stand up and like, (laughs) do like a little hey you know spiel. my spiel thing. yeah <laughs> I'm like oh my gosh I'm you know out there even I don't know these people that well and you know I, that was one of my first introductions to them besides the edibles and besides like my mushroom dyed sweater mm-hmm. they knew that hey you got to ride with me on this like come on you guys are out there like you I want you guys want the change and you guys are also in this, you know, this space. So I like wanted to make sure that when I did like say my little spiel that they were you know, kind of getting that without me like pressuring them or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was that was like, yeah, I feel like my first and that was a year ago. 
And so that was that was like really nice. And and when I say we want to spread the message um, to different people, make it um, it, not make it um, easy because this isn't an easy thing that we're doing. Um, I just want to make sure that, hey, moms, dads, pastors of churches, we've talked about this, veterans, everybody out there can learn, has access to learn access to grow. And that's what drove us here to like being like, okay, we need to do, we need to start out. There's, we have a future vision. Our vision is huge, but the first thing we need to do is just get out there, share our voice and share other people's voices and you know what they want to get out of this, what mm-hmm. they want, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Creating a space where it can be a shared community platform where we're highlighting voices that are not already those taking up most of the airtime, yeah. you know? And so that's exciting. It's exciting to think about like expanding the conversation. And I think what you touched on is outreach. It's like, who, who are these stories being told for? Who are these um, studies being done with, you know? And if that is a homogenous population, then why? And so we get to ask those questions and then have conversations with people who are working to, to do the same thing, to expand, not just education, but also access you know, and especially working in spaces where it's more stigmatized. It's like, well, these people are just as deserving and let's make sure everyone is aware of all their options, Yeah, you know, sure. and supported in accessing those options. Yeah. So. That's what we want to do. Have yeah. Access. So I guess that goes into, I want to hear about your vision for fruiting bodies. My vision for fruiting bodies. Well, my vision, if I was like, of course it'd be like, we always talk, we've talked about like, Oh, I always ask everybody like, what is, what is the thing that you love to do the most is one of the questions when I'm getting to know people, um, like take out all work things. That's one of my big questions, but like, you know, the vision, like think big. So what, if I had a big vision, I call it the dreamy dream, the dreamy dreamy dream. My dreamy dream would be to like have this wonderful piece of land (laughs) with like hot springs and like saunas and, um, different structures and different environments where people can have their own experiences and and uh, of course the mushroom therapy would be part of that in the facility or wherever where the land would be um with like oh i imagine it there's a lot of people and if you're an or if you're from Oregon or Pacific Northwest, you know, there's, um, a couple hot springs and, um, healing centers and conference places that, um, are wonderful that we are lucky that we haven't been in the past, been able to go to, unfortunately, some have been devastated by the wildfires, but, um, that would be like my dream is to have, you know, sliding scale, you know, wonderful outdoor environment, healing, all the things, and everybody just come and be like part of fruiting bodies. And we want, you know, everybody to just grow and fruit and all the things, yeah. all the things, you know. But for now, we're starting with the podcast. That's right. They are connected. If you can't see how, just know they are. Yeah, and it's good to dream. It's good to to not saying dream because sometimes if you say something's a dream, sometimes it's uh, you can't access it. And when I say something's a dream, it's not a dream. It's something that can be done. It's holding a vision. Yeah, it's definitely holding a vision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And starting, starting where you are and putting things in motion. And there's, I will say, there's a lot more in motion in fruiting bodies than it may appear anyway, you know? Yeah. It doesn't naturally happen. We're doing this and think, yeah, we're letting things naturally happen. 
Yeah, and people are coming and like, yeah, like I said, people are bringing We just keep inviting the resources yeah, the right people and they are just, I keep comparing it to putting our feet out in the dark and the path just appearing in front of us. Yeah, totally. So that's a good sign. It's happening. <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> okay. Um, I think the last question that we will ask probably everyone on our podcast is simple and also a very big question. And that is, what does healing mean to you? Healing. So yeah, that one, that one's a good one because I, I was um, telling Becca, you know, there's certain things about healing. I read a quote the other day and I was like, oh my gosh, it's making me question the word healing. And so with that quote, I don't, I'm not going to repeat the quote because I can't even say it exactly. I don't know, but um, I know what the feeling it gave me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but one thing I will say about healing, what healing is, healing is something that involves you to recognize and acknowledge the pain, the hurt, and uh, it doesn't matter what level. I, it, you know, it, it, the pain, it's all, you know, it doesn't matter if it's on a level one or a level 10, it's all the same. And acknowledging that and acknowledging that you may never, with healing, you may never heal. You, you may, may never no, be better. Yeah, you may never be better. It's not like a, okay, I did this and we're done. It's not destination. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so I think that's a lot of things with healing that people are like, oh, I'm I'm healing and I'm doing all this stuff and I just feel amazing and I'm done and it cured. No, this is uh, like, <laughs> there's so, yeah, there's so many ways to heal. There's so many different things about um, healing and the journey. And there's things about me that we were talking about that I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, these things are, I will have to work on for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. This will never be healed it will never go away because it's part of you it's part of me and who i am and so when i am healing it it may never be healed but just acknowledging where it comes from working on it Mm -hmm. that's a big thing um and being like very like vulnerable to the emotions Mm -hmm. that come to you because i know i'm a very i can be a very like closed person when i'm like hurting because i don't want to like like put the burden you don't want to put your emotional burden onto other people mm. and so sometimes that can help you not heal because you're like oh my gosh i don't so want to constrict yeah you're so. like oh my gosh and but once i am like learning to like you know just live in it i'm like okay the the that the hard part's over we've talked about it it's out there now let's do the work mm-hmm. and so when i'm so i'll always be healing and so I don't know what healing means to me, but I know how I want it to feel. I know how I want to acknowledge like my pain. I know that for right now and tomorrow it could be something different in an hour. Who knows? It could be something different <laughs> with my personality all over the dang place. But yeah, that's how I think about healing. Mm. Man. Man. And I, and, and not everybody can be a healer in all aspects. So that's something I'll get into later on. Yeah. Um, that's something. the idea of like yeah. what, why do we assert that we are healers and is healing something someone else can do for you and give to you? Yeah. You know, like that's a big question. Yeah. That's a big thing. And we can go into that because I have a huge thing when it comes to like, you know, you know, self-imposing yourself to say that you can do something for somebody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but we can only help yeah. ourselves sometimes and I'm here. I'm trying to help myself right yeah, now. Yeah. Well, as much as we can empower people to, to recognize their own innate, healing ability Mm -hmm. you know it's I think our our souls are a lot like our bodies it's like they have healing intelligence yeah for sure can you create supportive conditions to enable that to come out yeah for sure whether it's a mushroom space or time in nature or talk therapy there's so many different ways that we 
work out our healing. For sure. Cool. I think that's, that's, that's our first podcast. Elon. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I it hope got real. It did. I hope everybody um, enjoyed like kind of getting to know me a little bit. There's so many, I am like an onion. There's so many layers to me and I'm a babbler. I'm a hobbit. I am all the things that there's not one that when everybody says, well, who are you? What are you? What do you, I'm like, oh my gosh, do we have like a, two years because mm-hmm. I love to do all the things and I love to share all the things and I want everybody to do them with me and I will enable everybody because I want everybody <laughs> to have fun. Right. And so I definitely hope that you guys um, enjoyed um, learning about me and hearing a little bit about my story. And I really look forward to like hearing Becca's story. You guys are going to love her. I always say that like you guys, <laughs> we are, she's a good, she's a good one. She's a good one. You guys mm. are going to love her. Oh, Thanks, Elon. Thanks for being in the hot seat. Awesome. I can't wait. Your turn next. Turn the table. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's it for now. Thank you. That's the end of today's episode. There's still so much to talk about. Want to collaborate with us or learn more about our discussion today? Visit fruitingbodiescollective.com or tag us on Instagram at, at fruitingbodiesco. We'd also like to thank our awesome hosts at Medicine Collective for sharing the beautiful space with us. You can follow them on Instagram at, at medicine.collective. Until next time, be like the mushrooms. Stay connected, transform dead things, and grow on your own timeline. Yeah.